Man, good singing. You may be seated. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book tonight of 1 John, the book of 1 John. 1 John is where we are going to be once again. 1 John chapter 3, the book of 1 John and chapter 3. So 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. So 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And we'll begin reading verse number seven. Once you find uh, your place, let's go ahead and stand in reverence to God's word tonight. First John chapter three and beginning in verse number seven, where John writes now, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. All right, so in the context of this, remember that John is at this point, he is uh, uh, dealing with the false teachings of the false teachers. And of course, those false teachers are teaching once again, really doesn't matter how you live uh, on the outside. And John is disputing that. He says, hey, someone who does righteous, is righteous. It's not those who just claim to be righteous. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray that, Lord God, you would just be with us tonight. Father, we ask that you would lead and guide and direct us. We pray, dear Lord, that you'd open your word to us. Father God, give us understanding. Give us willing ears to hear. And Lord God, willing hearts to apply. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. By now, you're very familiar with the teachings of the Gnostics. And one of those teachings is that pretty much you can live the way that you want once you've been saved. And this is not a Bible teaching, nor is it even practical teaching. Once you consider all that happens to you when you've been born again. And this has been an age old argument since the days of John and the apostles that uh, we live in the age of grace and God just forgives everything and and you shouldn't judge people and and that's uh, just the way that things have always been and actually John and Paul and Jesus who said by their fruits shall you know them said otherwise said actually you can judge people and and look at what John says here he says let no man verse number seven let no man deceive you He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Is that not judging? It certainly is. John says when you observe, when you watch someone, and they do that which is consistent with the Bible, that they are biblical. When they do that which is consistent as Christians, then they're Christian. When they do righteous, then they, or when they uh, perform righteousness, then they are righteous. It's not just those who claim it. 
It's actually those who do it. So the false teachers were confusing many with their moral-free and standard-free lifestyle teachings. Uh, there doesn't have to be any outward evidence of salvation, said these teachers. And this was very confusing to newborn Christians who had been truly saved. They had a burning desire to live for God. They had a burning desire to be pleasing to God. Yet there are these supposedly older Christians living like the devil and professing to be righteous and then downplaying their lack of righteousness. So to see people living like the world when they're no longer supposed to be of this world, it's very confusing to young Christians. As a matter of fact, I, I can remember, um, I can remember as a, as a teenager, one of the uh, kids uh, got saved uh, in, our, in our church. Well, he wasn't in our church. He came to church. He got saved, was a very young Christian, and had a desire to do that which was right. And I can remember at times we'd be out with, with the youth group, and we actually had some youth in our youth group that grew up in the church that actually were very immoral, that uh, were not living godly lives. And I can remember his confusion, his confusion in that he knew it, it was wrong, and, and he didn't want to do it, but he had this peer pressure, wrong peer pressure, from these kids who had been supposedly saved for a long time who were involved in this uh, this wrongdoing and, and, and living a lives that they shouldn't. And, and I can remember that poor kid's confusion. Here I am, a new Christian, desiring to do right, and yet these older Christians are leading me down a wrong path. And, and so his conclusion was, well, maybe it's all right then, because that's what they're saying. And you can almost see John dealing with the same thing. He says, little children... Young Christians, new Christians, don't let people deceive you. If they're not living righteously, they're not righteous, regardless of what they tell you. And so don't be deceived by them. John, being the aged apostle, addresses these young Christians as if to say, hey, you don't see me living like that, do you? And John did not live like that. John lived a very righteous life his entire life. And then uh, the aged apostle saying, well, the other apostles, when they were alive, they were distinct from the world. You could tell them uh, from the rest of the world because they lived righteously. And so here's John's challenge to the little children concerning these false teachings. He says, first of all, these false teachings are deceptive. They're very deceptive. Verse number seven, little children, let no man deceive you. They're very deceptive. I don't care how long someone claims to have been saved. If they're not living the life of a Christian, A, they're either not Christians or they certainly are not living like a Christian. And so don't let uh, any man deceive you. The teaching that there are no definite rules to live by is deceiving. And we hear this all the time. We live in the age of grace. And you Baptists, you're all about rules, 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 rules. And uh, the truth of the matter is to say that there are no definite rules to live by in the age of grace, that's very deceiving. 
God certainly has given us rules. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. People in the New Testament hate that term, commandments. But it's exactly what Jesus gave to us. He gave us not suggestions, but commandments. There are those who would have you believe that you can serve God, love God, and live for God in your own way. As a matter of fact, you'll see churches all the time with their, uh, uh, their welcome sign out that says, we, we welcome anyone of any lifestyle. Well, the truth of the matter is, we do. We welcome anyone of any lifestyle. But we're also going to preach God's word so that we understand God does not, uh, God does not accept all of our lifestyles. As a matter of fact, every single one of us, I don't care what side of the tracks that you live on, what side of the tracks you were born on, uh, I don't care what philosophy you came by, everyone that walks through the church door, that, that well, they have to come to the realization, God does not accept my lifestyle. God accepts his lifestyle. As a matter of fact, God had to send his son to die on the cross for my lifestyle. My lifestyle was this, do that which is pleasing to the flesh. If this flesh likes it, then this flesh is going to do it. If this flesh approves of it, we all lived according to the lusts of the flesh before we were saved. And we all had to come to this realization, God does not accept my lifestyle. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. And yet there are those who will say, well, it just doesn't matter. God will love you. Uh, God, uh, God will uh, be there for you. Serve God in your own way, and that's acceptable to God. Well, being loved by God and being accepted by God are two different things. God so loved the world, but God didn't accept the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and his only begotten son had to die for the world, because God could not accept the world. And the Bible tells us that Jesus became the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but the sins of the entire world. So God did not accept the world. God loved the world, and he loved the world so much that because he couldn't accept the world, he provided a way he could accept those who would trust in Jesus as personal Savior. And those that Jesus, that God accepts are those who will say, God doesn't accept me as I am, but he will accept me if I trust in his Savior. He became the propitiation for our sins. And so, yes, it's true. God does love everybody. But we can say this. God accepts nobody. The only, the only person God accepts is Jesus Christ. And when I accept Christ as my personal Savior, Jesus' blood becomes my atonement. And when God looks at me, once I've trusted in Christ, he sees Jesus. And Jesus and only Jesus will God accept. So I guess we could say, 
God loves everyone, true, but God accepts no one. That's true also. But he will accept those who trust in Jesus as personal Savior. And part of trusting Jesus as personal Savior is realizing God won't accept my lifestyle. I have to repent of my lifestyle. And once I accept Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God dwells within me and then goes about changing my lifestyle. And I don't care what lifestyle you came from, God's going to change your lifestyle. Righteousness is established by God, not by man, not by committee, not by religion, not by churches. Righteousness is established by God. God's word gives us instruction. That's definite teachings on righteousness. And though it may offend many, the church of God, which preaches the word of God, needs to teach against and categorize sin because God's word teaches against and categorizes sin. According to God's word, this is the will of God for you. Even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Totally contrary to what the Gnostics were teaching. Here's the will of God for you. Abstain from sin. Live a life of righteousness. Certainly not popular in this day, but still sanctification according to the word of God. So not only is the church to teach it, but Christians are to live it. We are to follow God's lead. We do righteousness. Look again at this verse. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So now we are supposed to follow God's lead. We do righteousness and are righteous because he is righteous. How can one claim to be a follower of God who isn't following God? And God is righteous. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 21 says that we are to uh, follow him. He left us an example that we are to follow his footsteps. Totally contrary to what the Gnostics were teaching or what many uh, teach today. To teach you can follow him without following him, that's deceitful. And so John says, let little children, let no man deceive you. So don't be deceived. James 1.22 says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so we are to be not just hearers of it. We don't just come to church and say, amen. Man, that is the truth. Praise the Lord. But thank the Lord we live in the age of grace and I can do whatever I want the rest of this week. No, let be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It's deceptive. 
The second thing that John says concerning this teaching, not only is it deceptive, he says it's of the devil. Look at verse number eight. He that committeth sin, or and he's talking in the context of living in sin, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So think about it. The Lord didn't die on the cross, and he didn't come, and he didn't save us so that we could just continue in sin. He did it to destroy the works of the devil, not to enhance the works of the devil or to condone the work of the devil. The world belongs to the devil, and we know that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3 tells us that. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. The God of this world, Satan. If the world is the devil's, then so is the way of the world. Which means this, Christians ought to be going in another direction, and Christians ought to be living another way. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16, just back up. The Bible says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but is of the world. So if the world is the devil's, then so is the way of the world. There's a definite way of God that's distinct from the way of the world. There's not a fine line between godliness and worldliness. They are polar opposites. You know, this is why God's people are told to come out from among them and be separate. God's bent on destroying the works of the devil, not just condoning them, and not just saving his children so that they can continue in them. He wants to destroy the works of the devil. Many Christians are out in the name of Christ performing the works of the devil, the way of the world. What kind of soldier is it that loves the enemy? more than who he's supposed to be fighting. We are in a battlefield. The war is the battle, or the world is the battlefield. 2 Timothy 2.4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Who is it we're trying to please here? Not the world. And in pleasing the one who's chosen us, my, we're going to make the world very angry at times. It's deceptive, this, this false teaching. It's of the devil, this false teaching. Then the third thing he says, it's very dubious. It's very dubious. Look at 1 John. 1 John, once again, chapter 3. Now verse number th- uh, 9. Verse number 9. Whoso is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. The Bible goes on to say that 
he cannot sin because he is born of God. We all take on the characteristics of our parents, even unintentionally at times. Um, the older I get, the more people are constantly telling me, man, you, you look just like your dad. You act just like your dad. That wasn't my plan. I, and I, I, I can't help it. That's just that's the way it goes. But, you know, people ought to say the same thing about us when it comes to our Heavenly Father. Man, as a matter of fact, that's why in Antioch they were first called Christians. Because and they acted like Christ. They talked like Christ. Remember when the apostles were arrested and they stood before the council there, the Sanhedrin? And the Bible tells us that they took note that these men, though they were illiterate or they were unlearned, not illiterate, they were unlearned, that they had been with Jesus. Well, how is that? Because they were acting like him. They were bold like him. They were talking like him. Uh, they were taking on his characteristics. When we accept Christ as Savior and we become children of God, we ought to be taking on characteristics of the Lord. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Verse number, ten, uh, verse number 9, for his seed remaineth in him. He is a child of God. Though all Christians do commit sin, even unknowingly, Psalm 19, 12, cleanse thou me from even secret faults, the psalmist says. It's uncharacteristic for a child of God to continually, deliberately, and habitually live in sin without any regret, without any conviction, and just say, well, doesn't matter what goes on on the outside. What really matters is what's going on on the inside. Well, what's on the inside will certainly will certainly reveal uh, what's going on on the outside. It's dubious to think that even to, uh, it's dubious to think and even teach that a true child of God can live his life without taking on any characteristics of his father at all. God's seed remains, the Bible says, in us. So whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed. His seed remaineth in him. The Holy Spirit does not come and go. The Holy Spirit remains. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells. He doesn't come and go. He's always there. And it is he who teaches us right from wrong. Jesus taught in John 16, verse number 13, that the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. We all will also learn that the Holy Spirit will, will convict us. Because we're now born of God, we are to be partakers of his divine nature. 2 Peter 1.14 says that uh, we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is, desiring to live according to the flesh. My, these false teachers, they, they were deceptive. This false teaching was of the devil. And also, John says, it's, it's dubious. It's, it's crazy to think 
that children of God do not take on the characteristics of their heavenly father. Verse number 10, John goes on, number four, and says it's also dishonest. It's dishonest. These false teachings, these false teachers, they are dishonest. In this, verse number 10, in this, the children of God are manifest. That means to be made known. So the children of God are made evident, or the children of God are made known through this. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So John says, here's the evidence. This is how we judge. If they're living like the world, they're of the world. But if there is a genuine and sincere attempt to, to live like God, and you can see it in their character, and you can see it in their conviction. Boy, to say that you cannot tell a Christian from an unbeliever. You can't have uh, that, uh, you don't uh, have to be able to tell the difference. That, that, that's a lie. It's not the truth. So the children of God are revealed by the way they act. A true child of God cannot hide that he is a child of God, nor does he want to hide it. Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is, uh, of course, the, the Sermon on the Mount. We were in Matthew chapter 5 on Sunday. It's a guideline as to how Christians ought to live their lives. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14. Jesus says to his disciples, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Pretty tough to hide all the lights of a city that is set up on a hill. Jesus said, and Jesus is likening that to Christians. Pretty hard when Christians are living for the Lord pretty hard to hide them it's pretty hard to camouflage them and yet churches today are trying harder than ever to camouflage their christianity to make it look as much like the world as we possibly can and then we condone it by saying well if we don't then we're not going to be able to get the world into the church well, that was never the way we were supposed to get the world into the church. We were supposed to rely on the Holy Spirit for that. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and hide it under a bushel. Hey, when Jesus saved us, he lit a light in us. Not to be hidden but so that the, the world, this dark world, could have light. Neither do men uh, take a candle and, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So a true child of God cannot hide who he is. A true child of God doesn't want to hide 
who he is. Getting back to our text, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. Blending in with the world is not an option any more than you can take a candle and blend it in with the darkness of a dark room. No, it shines the darker the room, the brighter the candle. And, you know, as the, as the, the world of ours has gotten further and further, particularly our society, our country, as it's gotten further and further and further away from God, that doesn't mean that Christians ought to drift with the world to look more like the world. It means this. Christians ought to be more contrast to the world than ever before. The darker the room, the brighter the candle. The more out of place that candle seems. My, the darker the world, the more obvious the Christian. Not less obvious, the more obvious. Hey, a city that is set on a hill, you cannot hide it, especially at night. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Blending in with the world is not an option. And so again, looking at our text, 1 John 3, little children, verse number 7, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin. At least he cannot sin without regret, without guilt, and without conviction. He cannot the Bible tells us, uh, he that committeth sin is of the devil. The devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Boy, in this, the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Boy, and that last thing so important. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Remember, that was one of the beginning themes of 1 John, that we are to love one another as God is love. Listen, God has called us into an army with a distinct code of ethics, a distinct code of conduct. We have different uniforms and a mission that is separate from the mission of the world. It's pretty hard not to stick out. Let's have every head bowed and, and every eye closed. With every head bowed and with every eye closed.